I'd consider doing some sort of timed two-minute gag here where I plan a joke at the very opening of the review to then call back to or call forward to, but I don't think that would work, <laughs> would it? TC, I, I know it seems like a great idea, but you, you cannot open up with this two-minute gag on the no, front no, end. No, no, go ahead. It's fine. I live in America, and if you're going to destroy the space-time continuum, I'm ready to go. Samuel Wayne, Bradley, help me! Well, I'm all for the Tromalfadorian theory. I thought you pushed that button. Oh, God. Oh, God. What are we going to do? TC, don't do it! Don't do it! Uh, okay, well, uh, apparently it, it will work, but in order for this to work, I need to tell myself not to to do it. Man, paradoxes are weird. You are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you are interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. I need you all to do me a favor. Before we started this review, my future self, along with all of you, told me not to do something, but I did it, and the future us's told me not to. So now we have to send a message back in time, or we will create a time paradox, the results of which could cause a chain reaction that would unravel the very fabric of the space-time continuum and destroy the entire universe. Granted, that's worst-case scenario. The destruction may, in fact, be very localized, limited to merely our own galaxy. So what I need you guys to do right now is is to tell me not to open up the show with a timed two-minute gag. Hurry. TC, I, I know it seems like a great idea, but you, you cannot open up with this two-minute gag on the no, front no, end. No, go ahead. It's fine. I live in America, and if you're going to destroy the space-time continuum, I'm ready to go. Samuel Wayne, Bradley, help me. Well, I'm all for the Tromalfadorian theory. I say you push that button, man. <laughs> God, oh, God, what are we going to do? TC, don't do it. Don't do it. Do it, TC. Don't do it. Okay. <laughs> It was close. Okay, okay. I think, I think that should help me out two minutes ago, guys. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh, that was that was intense. Time travel, ladies and gentlemen, it has given us fun and not so fun in every genre: time loops, paradox, Back to the Future rules, every other Star Trek story arc, Terminator. Hell, one of the most told stories of all time is a time travel movie, A Christmas Carol. And here we are again with another movie about time and space. And this time, we find ourselves in Japan, where a cafe owner discovers that the TV in his restaurant suddenly shows video feed from the future, but only two minutes into the future. Some of his friends soon discover it and begin playing around, devising a way to look further into the future by pointing the screen that shows the future at the screen that shows the past at each other. Is this confusing? Maybe. Is it fun at times? Low-key time travel shenanigans? Absolutely. I am TCD Witt of the Screener Squad, and joining me in the present to review what we watched in the past and will ultimately rate in the future is Bradley. Hello! Chad. Hiya! And Lewayne. The space-time continuum is still intact. Come on. Well, we still got a whole review left, so... <laughs> That's true. We don't know what's going to happen here. Give it two minutes. <laughs> Every two minutes, we're going to have to like start over again and call back, which 
hey, jumping right into this movie as a whole, that is what we get through this whole movie is two minutes here in one screen, then going back downstairs and seeing that two minutes again. And how did you guys feel about that? Uh, I personally loved it. It's not groundbreaking in any way, but I think the setting and the characters make this time travel piece work. Like any other story, if it was a much grander scale, it would be stupid as hell. But because it's a bunch of friends just kind of like goofing around and see what more they can mm -hmm. do. Hey, which lottery yeah. ticket should I scratch? Exactly. Where can I go pick up this toy? Should I ask this girl out? It's very low stakes. Very. But but ends up being high stakes in the end. That's the other thing about this, though, because we always talk about it as a time travel movie, which, yeah, I mean, the time travel is just the, well use the word already device to get to this actually sort of weirdly sweet story that doesn't happen without this weird time travel thing the the time travel itself is just how you get from point to point to i mean that's how time travel works you move from point to point, <laughs> to point as we progress through time right now recording this but it's a way to tell the story about a sweet musician who owns a cafe who just wants to talk to the girl who owns the shop next door. Right. That's basically what this comes down to is just a sweet little romance mm -hmm. set around this real-time events. And I say real-time because mm, hidden cuts possibly. Chad probably spotted them. Very, very possibly. I could tell them, especially because they shot it on a phone. Yeah, sure. It's fairly easy to kind of figure it out. They did a lot of zooming in, especially when they were – either going down the stairs or opening a door, they would mm -hmm. zoom into something that could definitely be digitally adjusted. And then right. it's not easy, but it's the easier way of doing mm -hmm. a one -er. This is presented in real time, an uncut, unbroken series of events. And yes, as we're discussing on a technical aspect, like Birdman, they just found ways to sneak in the cuts here and there. Or rope, mm -hmm. if you want to go back to Hitchcock. Yeah. They snuck in cuts in rope? Well, they shot it in like 10-minute segments. Oh, wow. Because of the particular film stock they were using. Yeah, film reels only go for so long, depending on what you're using. Oh, wow. Sorry to segue us, guys, but I had no idea they were able to do yeah. that with oh, rope. Oh, super smooth. <laughs> with Birdman, you know, it's obvious because of the um, craziness that happens, and my mind's like, yeah, impossible. Mm -hmm. uh, yay for Birdman. This is also, I think, really good for me. If someone said, I saw the first 10 minutes of Primer and this is boring and I hate it, I'd say, well, if you like the ideas of Primer, why not this? Yeah. And that's how I'd recommend it. Yeah. Beyond the infinite two minutes. That's perfectly put. From one indie production to another, this is great. And I think it benefits in some ways by being shot on an iPhone yeah. because it's just these right. friends just goofing off. And how would we as friends react to time travel? It would probably be some dumb stuff like this. Like, no, no right. go upstairs and ask yourself what's in your own pocket. Do it. Right. Well, and again, you have a two minute limitation. <laughs> You're not going to get very far. Like, I think it's the girl that works in the cafe asks some question about an era it's two minutes ahead. You're not going to get an answer to that one. Yeah, these aren't rocket scientists. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> but it, it is totally something you would do oh, yeah. in that situation, unless you were mm -hmm. a physicist sure, and like actually knew what the fuck was going on. In this instance, I could totally see myself just being like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a ketchup bottle in your pocket and right. go ask yourself about it. Yeah. I think this succeeds on the fact that these characters are likable. They're yes. sweet. There's no one malicious in here. There's no danger of someone taking so much advantage of this that the entire reality's in trouble. At the same time, sometimes isn't enough for this to feel drawn out. Yeah. This is a very fun idea, but at times it starts getting a little, no pun intended, repetitive. Uh, it, it is. 
like especially in the beginning where there's kind of like low level stuff going on when they're still trying to figure it out and we as the audience like okay we get it right but Mm -hmm. we still have to set up all these characters in the world to get it as well right so i do see the repetition there and kind of how it may fall a little flat in the beginning but i I feel like the third act is like all the payoff you know right it pays off this is a magic trick this is what film was intended for in many ways film was originally presented as a magic trick and this entire film how it's made how it plays out in real time and we do get to see some behind the scenes during the closing credits this is all just one magic trick i enjoyed it i I definitely think if it was longer because this is only total runtime is hour and 10 minutes so if this was longer Mm -hmm. It probably would have been a chore, but I I feel like this hit the perfect sweet spot. No, I agree with you on that. I'm usually pretty fascinated at these one-take films, even the ones that are like two and a half hours long. How long was 1917? But yeah, and I also like it when sci-fi is like very grounded in the day-to-day lives that we live, because I'd probably come up with something like, oh, ask this question and then you know the person asks the question and then it comes back around again and i'd be like cool well i know some people (laughs) in my inner circle that'll be like well this is a total schrodinger's cat situation are we talking to people from our future are we creating these people through different dimensional time vortexes solely dependent on what we decide to say and not say based on this and I'm like, there's ketchup in my pocket. So, <laughs> Look, I got a pill bug. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it works on multiple levels very well for me. This is the antithesis to Tenet. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really. <laughs> there, you couldn't get further from Tenet than this. This is the exact opposite of it. And both Tenet and this are enjoyable in their own right. But yeah, this is much more silliness and fun with friends and enjoyable in that regard i love how at the end they all come together almost like voltron as a team yes as he's ascending the stairs and they're just handing off different random objects like what wait you'll need it i can't carry more (laughs) yeah that was wonderful there's never any discussion of the actual mechanism of it like nobody's ever like we should figure out how this works. Who gives a shit? It works. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. All you're going to do is somehow make it worse by getting it because it won't be convincing. So we'll just breeze right past. Who cares how it works? It just does. Yeah, a bit Groundhog's Day in, it doesn't matter how this started, just roll with it. Right. <laughs> and then the only other real technical aspect of it, there are points in time where one or the other of them will be like, wait, are we making this happen from the future? <laughs> like they start worrying, are we controlling what's happening then by doing it this way? And there's moments where their present selves we're told a certain thing. And then when they get to the point where they have to relay that message to their past selves, yeah, sometimes it's not necessarily the same context as how they heard it. Right. Which is how your memory works. So that's a really neat yeah. theme in this whole crazy movie. Like, I would never lie to myself. I would like to think. But then again, in a certain scenario in this film yes i would lie to myself like go for it man yeah i totally could see myself saying it like maybe this time though you have to protect the space-time continuum bradley lie lie to yourself (laughs) well that's just it we have to do it this way why because we already did it that way in the future and it's fun because periodically they're like shit what did i say before yeah Uh, you start with hey you start with hey how did i do this what was the thing that uh, that future me told me how did they do that it's silly as hell but it's so much fun and it's timed out very well because they had to keep that two minute right. buffer in between everything and by the time they get to the infinite television setup mm-hmm. at the infinite loop, and you yeah. just see as time goes on like at the beginning it's very like tongue-in-cheek and whatever and then it starts getting more serious 
and you kind of know what's coming. And once it started doing the two minutes back and forth, back and forth, I started just timing it on my phone just uh-huh. to see if they were oh, landing wow. the two minutes, and they were crushing it. Yeah, like they nailed the two minutes. The couple of times that I checked, it was on the second. So really impressive from the production perspective. The one thing that took me slightly out of it, and this is just being super nitpicky. Both the monitors were hooked up to very long extension cords. Yes. And I could see them in a few of the shots. And I'm just like, you know, any other shoot, you would try to hide those. But fuck it. Who cares? Like that TV's got to get up and down the stairs somehow. (laughs) It's not a wireless Apple monitor. Air monitors. I don't know. I will admit I forgave this movie a lot in that regard because it was so damn charming. Yes. And because there was no suggestion that this was even like star trek level hard science let alone <laughs> quantum physics type stuff it's like forget it i sure this is phineas and ferb level of time travel <laughs> yeah yeah yes that's perfect yeah it's very fun that way and they also learn a lesson you know about themselves and their friends so yeah that's where it hit the hardest for me that stairway ascension was the best for me yeah <laughs> And I love, and again, seeing it from the closing credits where they showed you how they did certain setups mm-hmm. and the camera team is just dodging the camera and the actors all at the same time. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but let's not belabor our time traveling conversation too much longer because this is a short movie, so there's no sense in us detailing every beat and every moment of this film. Let's wrap it up into some final thoughts here. Luane, why don't you kick us off? The first question that the present version of the protagonist asks himself in the future is what was I doing? And the guy says, you lost your pick. And I'm like, well, that's not really a tough guess. He's a guitar player. I guarantee you he's <laughs> lost his pick. It also kind of tells you what level you're working with, with these guys. Like we said before, they're not rocket scientists. Even the guy who's probably the smartest one who figures out the infinite loop thing it's still like, hey, let's see what happens. It feels a lot like hanging out with your buddies with something really unusual. And it's silly and it's fun. And I'm going to give this 450 out of 500 feet of cable that that monitor must have had. <laughs> Great. Chad. I totally dug this movie. I always get weirded out when films aren't, if they're over 60 minutes, but they're less than an hour and a half, like... They're in that weird zone. But like I said earlier, there's no reason for this movie to be any longer than it is. You get the story. And with digital nowadays, who cares what lengths of things are? Like, it really doesn't matter anymore. So that's my own personal problem. I like this story. I thought it was fun. I thought it was cute. It's very easy to watch. Yeah, I'll say 8.5 out of 10 symbols. (laughs) Symbols from nowhere. Bradley, your turn. I also enjoyed this. It's a very high concept idea, but like most of my favorite sci-fi stories, the biggest themes are friendship, uh, love, hate, questioning yourself and your own preconceived notions of how things work. Like I could see a two and a half hour Hollywood film having all the characters stop and be like, we got to live in the moment <laughs> and then maybe hug. And then I don't know, whatever the top 10, 100 billboard chart of the day would start playing and things would be fine. That's not a spoiler. Of course, that doesn't happen in this, which I am thankful that it does it. But yes, I do enjoy the camaraderie a lot. And also the curiosity, like only one of the four of them even questions like, doesn't this kind of seem like it could be dangerous, you guys? <laughs> 
And I thought that was neat, too, because usually people get so self-righteous in these sci-fi movies. Like, what are you doing with that monitor? We're spitting in the face of God. (laughs) And, you know, everything was so subdued and human about it. So I enjoyed that a lot. The third act, a little confusing when things really start to wind down. But it's an ending. So I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 Toy Pop Machines from Japan. This is fun and silly, and it's a very easy, breezy watch. It's not challenging as a story, but rather impressive as an indie endeavor. As a filmmaker, I enjoyed this very much. I appreciate the accomplishment of this and what was very likely a crap ton of math to pull this off. (laughs) Yes. So bravo to the team there. I will recommend this to people who may have liked frequently asked questions about time travel and especially One Cut of the Dead. One Cut is the superior film with a much more satisfying conclusion, but this is nice and likable and would make an excellent group of friends watch rather than a solo venture. I enjoyed it on my own. I think I would have loved it in a theater full of friends. Much like time travel itself, it's just better in a group. I'm giving Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes a pleasant 8 out of 10 ketchup bottles in the pocket. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so real question here. If you guys could time travel, what would you do? Two minutes time travel? Two minute time travel. That's all you get. I'd go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) 